Hi, I'm Walter Hallam, and you're listening today to the Walter Hallam Ministries Podcast. Get ready to receive a powerful word from God today. The Apostle Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament, in my opinion. Some people will say he wrote 12. I actually think he wrote 13, but that's okay. They have the right to be wrong, and you have the right to be right. So uh, I wasn't there when he wrote them, so that's just my opinion. But be that as it may, he writes and he begins to talk about something that we heard during the conference for a few minutes when uh, uh, Brother uh, Ron Carpenter was ministering about the power of the mind or about renewing your mind with that anointing that's on the inside of you. Using the anointing of God that's on the inside of you because His kingdom dwells inside of you, Jesus said. Using that to renew your mind. Not just trying to re-energize your mind with information. Uh, Everyone, of course, is born in a certain slot in life. Your family has their own mindset, their own, uh, we all are that way. And uh, and a lot of that's very good, of course. But uh, no, no one knows everything. So just in the natural, you should be growing and learning. And you should do that all of your life. As long as you have a heartbeat uh, going, you should be endeavoring to learn and to grow and to equip yourself. Can I have a big hallelujah there? But there's more to you than just flesh and blood or more than just natural ancestry. You are a spirit and you are made in the image and the likeness of God who has a soul, a mind, And the Bible says you live inside of a body and we are to renew our mind to the ways of the Spirit of God. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. One translation says, be renewed by the spirit that controls your mind. Your spirit man, your inner man. When you are a new creation in Christ, old things pass away. You have a new spirit. You have been born again. God has taken that fallen position that we inherited because of the original man's iniquity, the Bible says, and sin that passed on to all men. We have now in, uh, been born out of that fallen state and we have been redeemed. Uh, Colossians says that God has redeemed us from that curse and has now translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Give me two big amens right there. That means a spiritual metamorphosis took place when you said yes to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. The Bible says God made your spirit man new. It's the miracle of the new birth. Jesus talked about it, about being born again. And in John chapter 6, last Sunday morning, you'll have to go back and get that particular message. I won't go through the whole thing, but I spoke quite a lot about how Uh, When Jesus talked about how the wind blows every way it goes and no one can control it, that word right there is the word for spirit. And he literally is talking about how the Holy Spirit goes a certain way and no man controls the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Uh, So God is not obligated to be controlled by you and me. We are obligated to be changed and allow him to form us a little more into his image. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he says, be transformed or be changed a little more every day into his image or from glory to glory. 
from glorious experience with God to glorious experience with God be changed a little bit more into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just remind you, he's not talking about the dead image. He's talking about the resurrected image. He's talking about this side of Calvary, not the other side of Calvary. Jesus being the sacrificial lamb of God. So we should be elevating in our lives continually, uh, internally as well as uh, around our life. We should continue to believe God to help us to be more like Jesus in this life. So I like to say, so we won't be so surprised when we get to heaven. We don't want to be strangers uh, to the blessing of God when you get to heaven. Can I have a big amen? amen? So Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 12, I'm going to read uh, three quick verses to you. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. I'm not going to do this long today, but I just believe that it will speak to you powerfully when you hear this. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, I'm reading out of King James Version. Uh, it's just because I've read out of it for 60 years, and so I think in King James. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Come on, somebody shout living. That means there's some things as a born-again, spirit-filled believer, I am alive. And there are some things that I just say, God, my whole life is to live for you. Not my will, but your will be done. Now look, when we hear that oftentimes, we think, well, Jesus going to Calvary, he's in the garden of Gethsemane, he's sweating drops of blood, and he said, God, if there is any way that this cup can pass from me, let it pass from me. But if not, not my will, but your will be done. And many times Christians, when they, when they hear that we should say, God, let your will be done in our life, they immediately go back to that thought or that concept because that's what's been pushed a lot. But when you begin to study the, uh, the plan of God on this side of the resurrection, the will of God was always good. It's, it's acceptable. It is perfect, the Bible says. I'm preaching a lot better than your amen. And it's not something that God is wanting to hurt you with. God's not trying to keep something from you. You can be sure he will help you learn how to put things in order in your life so it's not chaotic. He will definitely teach you how to prioritize. But his plan for you is glory to glory, faith to faith. Blessing to blessing, goodness to goodness, righteousness to righteousness, forgiveness to forgive. Come on. God's not trying to hurt you or put you down. He is elevating you. So the next time the devil tries to put something like sickness on you or something, don't be praying, God, not my will, but your will be done. We know what his will is concerning that because the Bible says at Gethsemane and at Calvary, Jesus took on for us, all of the sicknesses of humanity and had 39 stripes placed on his back that caused the blood to flow, the Bible says, and with his stripes, we were So we understand the will of God when it comes to things that are under the curse. So don't be praying, God, whatever this sickness is, not my will, but your will be done. That is a total confession of lack of knowledge of the word of God. 
If you got involved in a sin of some kind, you can, and by faith you don't, but if you did, you, you cannot be praying, God, thank you for this sin. I was going to stop it, but not my will, but your will be done. Sickness, sin, the curse, poverty. All of those things are under what the Bible calls the curse. Christ died to redeem us from We just happen to still live in a fallen realm. But we are citizens of the kingdom of God today. So when we encounter those things that are contrary to the will of God, the perfect will of God is, of course, the same thing that it is that you have for your children. God loves you. Look, I would not teach my daughter how to ride a bike by telling her to go out and ride it the wrong way in the middle of 45. And if you survive it, then I taught you something. No, I would be put in jail for child abuse. Why is it that sometimes God gets blamed for causing things that take place that are plainly written in the scripture that are not from God? Because we don't understand sometimes how to explain why that took place. And so then we cop out with this thing like, well, God controls everything. Look me right in the face. If you forget everything pastor says, don't forget this this morning. God does not control everything. There's nothing in the Bible that says God controls everything. It says he owns everything. But he gave control or dominion uh, of almost everything around to man. He gave that to Adam. That's one of the first things he did. And he still has that today. And today, you and I, as citizens of the, of the kingdom of heaven, of the household of faith, because of Jesus, we still are in a fallen realm. As much as Adam and Eve were still in a fallen realm when they were cast out of the garden. We just by faith have been born into the kingdom of God, which is only inside of us. But one day it will come to earth and be outside of us also. Until that time, we are still to live like citizens of the household of faith. Did that make a lot of sense? God give us understanding. And so he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies... A living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, completely or totally and acceptable unto God, which is the right way to live. King James says reasonable service. God says it's the right way to live. So the right way to live is endeavoring to live your life, to be a servant of the Most High God, to serve Him with joy and to find His perfect will in everything you do. And that is a lifelong process. We are growing. We are changed a little bit more. Now watch what he says in verse 2 with me. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Lamarck. And be not conformed to this world. But be you transformed by, here it is, the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable And perfect will of God. Oh my goodness. The scripture says that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Everybody shout transformed. Transformed. 
an interesting word to say the least. I'm going to give you just a little bit of Greek right here. If my name was like Zorbo, you'd think I was a little Greek, wouldn't you? And so here it is. That's a joke for those of you that didn't like that. Get healed. All right, here we go. And be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'll never forget in 1980, I was in Detroit, Michigan uh, at Bethesda uh, a Prayer Center in a huge, huge place in, uh, in, in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And so my father and I were up there uh, together at a conference. And I'll never forget, it's downtown in the downtown area of Detroit. And Detroit was kind of in its heyday in that time. And I still believe it's going to come back in Jesus' name. And so it was just in its heyday in that time. And there was this huge church by Pastor Jim Beal was his name. He was a, a powerful man of God. He's in heaven today. Anyway, they owned both sides of this major thoroughfare in downtown Detroit. So it's a great place, except right on the very corner of where all of their place was. And there was a little, there was a little stand where a guy was selling like hot dogs and all of it. It was cold. We were there. And out, when you'd come outside of the church, a guy owned just a little plot of ground. I mean, it just was just, it probably wasn't five, six, 800 square feet or something. And his name was Zorbo. And he had Zorbo the Greek and he sold himself. So if I, my name was Zorbo, I'd be a little Greek this morning. <laughs> now I went a long way to tell you that story. You ought to at least act like you appreciate it. Oh my goodness. Not Zorro, Zorbo. All right, here we go. Be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed. Everybody shout conform. So here's a little Greek word for you. It's about this long. We get the English word conform from it. It's the word sukimatizo, S-U-C-H-E-M-A-T-I-Z-O, sukimatizo. And it means to fashion, to pattern, uh, to make something according to a template or a pattern. The Bible says to be not conformed to this world. Do not make your life according. He's talking about your whole man. According to this world, I don't personally think that he's talking about a dress code unless that would happen to apply some way or another uh, to something that was ungodly. But he's talking here about renewing the mind. We are not just to allow our inner man, our soul, the mind and the soul are the same. We are not to just let them evolve through experience, through education and encounters. Uh, exactly the opposite. You have to take control of your mind. You have to tell yourself what to think and what not to think. Am I making any sense to anyone here? Hallelujah. Uh, you, your, your mind is one of the greatest drama theaters that it is the ultimate theater. Your mind is. That's right. And I can tell you right now that 99% of the things in your lifetime that are bad that you think about which might happen to you do not happen to you. But they can paralyze you and keep you back uh, because you think a certain way, they can keep you from moving on into doing something that is good and godly. Fear can hold you back. Doubt can hold you back. Inferiority can hold you back. All of those kind of things. Uh, inability, lack. Listen, every person in here has 24 gold bricks 
that are given to them every single day. It's called an hour. I don't care who you are. You get 24 of them every day. Mother Teresa had 24 of them. You have 24 of them. The presidents have 24 of them. Uh, the neighbor has 24. The owner of the business has, and, and, and the guy that just got hired yesterday there, everybody gets 24 of them a day. You get 24 of them a day the day you were born, and you have them until the day that you're going to go into eternity. You get 24 opportunities a day, and I am definitely preaching good right now. And you are commanded to conform yourself to the ways of the kingdom and the word and the spirit of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God, and not to allow yourself to become a template of the thought process of the world only. Yes, we live in this world, but we are not of this world. The thoughts of God in Isaiah 55, one of my favorite verses, the scripture says, for my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, God says. My ways are higher than your ways. He's talking about two types of thought, two types of ways. My words are higher than your words. How many of you glad that you and I can know his words to go along with our words? But if the only thing we ever do is see things naturally, you are guaranteed to be limited by a whole lot. But when Jesus comes in and his word begins to grow in you, the Bible says the entrance of his word brings light. It brings illumination. Fotidzo, one translation says, it brings that flash of light. Oh, hallelujah, for the flash of light. You begin to get revelation. Who knows what a rhema from God is? Come on, who knows that, that term? It's an interesting word that we see in the scripture. It is a word for rhema. Uh, the, the common word that you see in the scriptures for the word word in the New Testament would be the word L-O-G-O-S, logos. We get our everything from logistics to logic to everything else comes off of that word logos because it literally just talks about uh, things that are apparent that have certain quality to them, nature to them, characteristics to them, something that can be uh, seen and identified is logos. But then the scripture talks about also a revealed logos or uh, sometimes Jesus uses the word for word. He uses the word R-H-E-M-A, rhema. And the word rhema, uh, in the, uh, which is translated word also, uh, the word means revealed word or the insight that that word actually holds. The purpose of that word, what that word actually is saying, instead of just an audible sound of syllables, there is a reason and a purpose for it that is beyond the first look. And the scripture calls that the rhema. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, not the logos, but the rhema of God. You can read the logos, but when it starts coming alive, it becomes rhema to you. And faith doesn't come just by logos. Faith comes by revelation of the word rhema. It says so then in Romans uh, 10, 17, so then faith comes by hearing. Everybody shout hearing. hearing. Now it didn't say faith came because I have heard or faith comes because of something I read yesterday. The word hearing there, it, it just literally means an ongoing process or the continual repetition. Faith comes by hearing, 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 bam, the rhema of God comes. You can logos, 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 and then boom, the Holy Spirit will take that word and suddenly you'll know what you did not know before. Am I talking to anyone? Yes. 
Because the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, uh, Hebrew says, and pierces to the dividing asunder of spirit, soul, and body, which he calls joint marrow, spirit, soul, joint marrow, and is the discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. When you get your thought and your spirit man in line and the word of God begins to give you revelation, my friends, you become a force of righteousness in the earth. You say, preacher, do you ever just try to think about the things of God? Well, sure I do. Do you ever just read a scripture and then just sit there and think? And just think and think of any of the parallels of how it will apply together in the, uh, in the rest of the word of God. I mean, you're just reading something and you're like, I just don't understand that. I wonder how that could ever make any sense. And then all of a sudden you're looking at like Sarah and Abraham and all of that and like, why did God put that scripture in there? And then all of a sudden your mind will begin to think and start going way uh, in another direction and, and you'll see how God raised up Elizabeth. And Elizabeth uh, had the baby in old age. And then here comes Mary, right? Next, and suddenly you begin to see how God has given you parallel real quickly by meditating or thinking on the things of God. So you go from a just a logos to a rhema. And when it really becomes powerful is when you begin to read things like, uh, the woman with the issue of blood came and she reached out and she touched Jesus. And she said in herself, she had gotten a rhema somewhere. When I touch him, I'll be whole. She had gotten a word inside that she believed beyond just the surface purpose of touching someone. She said, when I touch him, I'll be whole. She said it in herself. And Jesus said, you got great faith, woman. Because faith comes by hearing the rhema of God. And there's, an, there's a quickening, there's an acting then that's uh, required from you and me when the Spirit of God begins to talk to you internally about purpose. Amen. And understanding the Word of God, then you begin to operate on it. Hallelujah. It's a powerful thing. Be not conformed to this world. Do not be fashioned like the world. The world always thinks on a surface level. God has an eternal purpose. And you can begin to pray. You can begin to think. I think about Israel. I love, I love Jerusalem. I've never been to Jerusalem. I've been offered many times to go and had my way paid to go if I wanted to many times. And I will go in the near future, I believe, in Jesus' name. But until uh, this time, I just didn't feel like I uh, was supposed to go there. So I didn't. You just follow the lead that's in your heart. That's where I was. I really felt like God wanted me to go to Honolulu or, and, and <laughs> Newport Beach and Flagstaff and places like that. I'm not sure. I mean, in heaven, I'm going to live there anyway. Probably I'll be going there a lot. So right now I need to go other places. But anyway, I... You have to do what the Lord tells you to do is what I'm saying. And when you begin to study the scripture and then you'll see something about Jerusalem there, it just gets, it'll get in your spirit. And the Bible says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Those who love her will prosper. Well, now if you take that from a political position only, uh, I probably don't agree with everything politically that Israel does. I don't even know everything Israel does politically, nor do I want to get into the political debate. But spiritually, 
When you suddenly begin to see what the Bible says about that, how all of the empires of the world have been built or died because of them, you stand with them, you prosper, you stand against them, that, those empires die. You just go back through history and look at them today. That's the way it works. And uh, the, because God loves that, that's exactly where he begun the whole thing of creation for us. And he's coming back there one day. And you can be sure if the devil could eliminate that, he thinks he would stop that process because Satan knows that his time is short before his eternal judgment comes. Revelation says, so he's trying to abort the plan in advance, but every time it looks like that's going to take place, God just raises up a deliverance some way or another. So I decided to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Those who love her shall prosper, the Bible says. Oh, hallelujah. Abraham's blessings are mine. Come on, how about you? That's what Paul said. So be not conformed. Do not be fashioned or patterned after this world in their way of thinking. Understand the root cause to things, but be you transformed. Now, there's a beautiful word. It's the Greek word metamorpho. We get the word metamorphosis from it, for instance. And it just means the process of change. It means to be transfigured, not transgender, transfigure. I don't know why I said that, but I did. It means to be transformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be constantly transforming, be changing. Do not be conformed, do not be fashioned just after this world, but be you changing by the renewing of your mind. Transform, 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 transform. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, if you ever raised teenagers, Cindy and I raised three. If you raised teenagers, if you ever were one. It's amazing how that could happen. They could go to bed at night full of energy and wake up six or eight hours later. And you'd think that they need, to, they need to come alive. I can't even get them out of bed. What am I going to do? They need to change. Why is it they went to, they went to bed one way and now it's the time to get up and they, they act like that they don't even hear me in the room. And I say, okay, come on guys. Uh, it's time to get ready to go to school. Let's go. Let's go. Y'all ready? Six, it's six, it's six fifteen. You got to get up, start getting, start getting dressed and everything. Got to be there on time. Got to do all those things. And they're like, oh. <laughs> now I know that none of yours do that, but that's the way ours do. Uh, sometimes. But on Saturday, when we were going to be going somewhere, it was a miracle. Every weekend. Because Saturday, we were going to go to the mall. We were going to the Galleria. We were going to go to Moody Gardens. We were going to go to a ball game. We were going to do something. And when Saturday got there, it didn't make any difference. When Christmas was here, holidays were here, the, the transformation, the metamorphosis took place. It was amazing. The Bible says that because they had something else on their mind, that we are not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be changing 
because of the renewing of our mind. We, we should begin to think the things of God, the ways of God. It's not a matter of how long you sleep. I'm talking about being changed by the renew. Come on, somebody shout renew. renew. And the word renew is an interesting word. Uh, it's the word anokanoa. But anyway, it just literally means to renovate. You ever watch any of these shows on TV about flip this house and all of that, you know? So they'll go and buy this. Well, there's one of them called Flipper Flop, I think's the name of it, isn't it? Anybody ever watch Flipper Flop? How about the one that's up here in Waco? What's that called? Yeah, Fixer Upper. Anyone ever watch Fixer Upper? So you, you watch it. <laughs> so Fixer Upper is an interesting thing. They go into these neighborhoods and they'll find a house that, that's, well, worn out, run down and worn out. And then by the time they finish it, what's that lady's name that does that? Yeah, Joanne. By the time Joanne finishes that, with all of her touch, uh, the last image they show you of that house, it looks like it, it's in a magazine, you know, like in Home and Garden or something. Or uh, It's just absolutely gorgeous. And then they'll show it to you before and they'll show it to you afterwards. And then they show you the process all along. That's exactly what the word renew means. It means to renovate. It means to bring back to an improved new condition. It's exactly what it means. The Bible says, be not conformed. Do not just be fashioned by this world. Whatever happens is what happens to you. So that's who I am. You know, that's not the way it is. You ever heard anybody say things like, well, look, just take it or leave it. This is the way I am. That's the way it's going to be. And then, of course, they go get a divorce. Just thought I'd tell you how to save a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of pain, heartache. Go ahead and allow yourself to change. Because before you got married, until the moment you said, I do, you were still all about you. But the moment you got married, you died and y'all become one. I know it's not correct grammar, but I think we get the picture here. So it's no longer just about you. I remember when my, when my darling father went to heaven, my mom had already gone to heaven a few years before. And when, when daddy went to heaven, you know, they raised seven children. They, I have six brothers and sisters that, that we, I grew up with, of course. And so they went to heaven. And so when mom went to heaven, my mom, she, she was a piece of work. Now, I'm just going to tell you that right now. She was awesome. Five foot tall, literally. And redheaded and kind of bluish green eyed and smart as a whip, and tough as a whip, too. Let me just say that. It took that to raise five boys. Those two girls were easy, she said. It was those five boys that, that it took. And she goes to heaven, and when she goes to heaven, of course, my dad is like a fish out of water after over 50 years of being married. Uh, he's in heaven today also. And I, I remember sitting down, and he said, uh, I'm thinking about doing this, 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 this. What do you think about it, Walter? He came and saw me one day. And I said, well, Dad, I don't think that's probably, some of that's not a bad idea, but, you know, there's, you know, there, we have, you got seven children. And you might ought to talk to, to them all like that. And we discussed it for just a few minutes. And he said, well, you know, when, you know, when, when, when Mama was here, I didn't have to ask everybody's permission. 
And I said, you know, Dad, before you and Mama even got married, you didn't have to ask anybody's permission. And when you and Mama got married, it was the two of you. And I know you asked her permission. (laughs) And then you had seven children and you will never be just you because you have seven children to go along who are as much you as you. And so I'd recommend that you talk to all of them and just ask them what you think about that. Well, uh, when you say yes to Jesus and he comes into your life, before you were born again, it was just you. But when Jesus became your Lord and you gave your life to him, he is now your father and you're his child. You need to do a little consulting and you need to renew yourself or renovate the way you think according to his plan for your life. Because it is very inclusive. Look at two people and say he's meddling. I wish he'd shut up. Come on, say that. The scripture says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me take that other thing a little bit further because I'm extremely respectful of my parents. So when Cindy and I got married, before we ever got married, I just did just whatever I wanted to do. I just did it. And then when she and I got married, we didn't have any children for the first five years. And I would come home from work and she'd come home from work. And I'd say, hey, you want to go to Beaumont? You want to go to the picture show? You want to go spend the weekend somewhere? She'd say, sure, yeah, let's go, yeah. Or else she'd say, no, we're supposed to do this and we can't. And I'd say, okay, whatever the case. And then we started having children. And I found out my life changed. And when they were just little, all they did was poop. (laughs) And cry. And you loved them anyway. It didn't make any difference. I mean, there's something about it. You know what I'm saying? But then they got old enough to have a mind. Oh, my goodness. And then they became teenagers. And if I came home and I just said, hey, I'm going to do this. Then Cindy would say, well, what about this? And then she would say, you better think about them. And I had to become much more inclusive. I had to be transforming. I could take this and go real strong with it right now. But here's the thing. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, you come into his family. And your life is not your own, the Bible says. You are bought with a price. Therefore, we're to live our, uh, that way. The key to that is to be changing all the time a little more into that call that's on your life. Uh, if you are a man and you are going to get married, the idea of just being like you were before you got married, I promise you that is a disaster waiting to happen if that's what you are endeavoring to be. Like I'm the same old me, I just got a full-time night woman. It's history pretty soon. Same thing when it comes, of course, to a woman. No, the two of you become husband and wife. You become one. Now you have to take a lot of other things into consideration the rest of your life. Look at two people and say, he's all over the map today, isn't he? And that will continue to happen as you have children. And you know what I learned five years ago? It also happens when you have grandchildren. There's an element 
of change that begins to come in there and renewal that has to start taking place there also. And then I found it in the scripture. A wise man lays up an inheritance for his children's children. Praise the Lord. And so the process of renewal is a lifetime ongoing process being renewed to the word of God. So be not conformed, just pattern and systematic according to this world, but be transformed, metamorpho. Let this process be going on by the renewing of your mind, by renovating. You're not going to take your brain out and put another brain in. That's not going to happen. So you have to, uh, can I just say it like this in conclusion? Help me, Sergio. It's kind of like this right here. You're just going to have to have a mental makeover, not a mental breakdown. No, we are to be made over. We are to be renovated. It is an ongoing process. 20-something years ago, Cindy and I built a home. We're now making plans to put new flooring in it. And, and new colors on the wall and a couple of rooms. When we built it, we had three daughters at home. Uh, and so now we don't have three daughters at home. So there's one little area of the house. We just want to reconstruct it on the inside and take two rooms and make them into one. We're going to renovate it a little bit and change it. Same house, not going anywhere. Same place, just renovating. Renovating. The Bible says that when Jesus is your Lord, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies, your lifestyle, one translation says, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Uh, which is a reasonable, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renovation Little process, room by room, circumstance by circumstance. What does the word say? What is the chief architect of the universe? Some of y'all just got cold chills when I said that. The one who made you, the number one carpenter. How does he renovate your life? You take the word of God and the spirit of God that's in you. And you put those together and then you apply that to your life. And you allow yourself to be renovated. And the older you get, the sweeter it gets. The better it gets. The more valuable to you that change process becomes. The more confidence that it puts in you. You know you're living for the Lord. You're not perfect you're just being renovated all the time. Changing a little bit more into His image. Paul says to the church at Corinth, from glory to glory, you're changed into His image a little more by the Spirit of the Lord. Therefore, I beseech you, brethren, that you present your life a living sacrifice, being willing to be a blessing to someone else at your own expense. When you bless the poor, you lend to God, the Bible says, and God will repay it back. You say, but I, I want to keep that money for myself. Sometimes you just need to be a living sacrifice. Just be a blessing to someone. Be a blessing to your family. Be a blessing to those that are around you, sometimes at your own expense. 
The Bible says that a good man, a righteous man, will swear to his own hurt. That means that he'll put somebody else, their, their need over his own need. He'll go the extra mile. He'll give away one of, one of his two coats. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We're being transformed a little bit more. I love our glorious Holy Spirit experiences, our encounters like that. And they're powerful in the house of God when we have them. But in about five minutes, you're going to walk out of here. And my prayer is today that God is talking to you and you're hearing Him. And He's, and he's talking to you about a renovation schedule. It's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process. There are things today, there are things this week I encountered that when I became a pastor nearly 35 years ago, if I would have count, encountered that, I probably would have punched someone. Today, I wouldn't punch them. It took a little while, but I kept applying the Word of God to that old hot temper. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Therefore, I get to live with my darling wife for the first uh, 43 years in joy. Therefore, we were able to raise three children that don't have hot tempers because I made a decision if that shows up, I'm going to get that out of my life by the Word and the Spirit of God. How many of you think we ought not cuss on the way to church in the morning? Just a, just a statement. I could be wrong on that one, but I don't think so. No, you let God begin to renovate and change you. Begin to transform your life a little bit more. And all of a sudden, those qualities of change are what start showing up in your children and in your relationship and in your marriage. On the job, suddenly what used to get you fired from every job and lose every friend you had ever made uh, and, and not be able to keep one for more than 12 months, suddenly that experience goes away and you begin to be promoted and people want to be around you. And they're drawn to you instead of repelled from you because you've taken control of those things. The Scripture says that we are to be renewed, Ephesians 4.23, in the spirit of the mind. Let your spirit that controls your mind renew you. Let that change constantly be going on. I hope I've helped you this morning. Come on, give God the praise if you received this today. It's a lifetime process. But it is a process, and it's absolutely written. That concept is written in everything that's in Paul's writings, all of his 13 books to the New Testament church. He talks about taking control. Take control. Take control. Take control. Let the Holy Spirit who lives in you, let His kingdom come to the surface of your life. Seek Him, pray, Read His Word and then experience it. Be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. And the Scripture says you will be renovated. And instead of getting old and mean, I remember telling Cindy uh, when I asked her to marry me uh, years ago, I said, I promise you one thing. I might be an old bald-headed man one day, honey. I told her this. But I promise you I will not be an old mean bald-headed man. I will never be mean to you, I promise you. Because I knew I had that ability to do that. I said, I give you my pledge right now. I will never be mean to you. What I understand to be mean, I won't do it. 
And if I am, you tell me and I'll just back off. That's it. I just won't do it. Well, I had a desire to not be that way. So I wanted to change. So I began to seek the Word of God. Now, if you mess with me, I'll be mean to you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, it, so it, it, it's very important. Who knows what I'm talking about? In your own life, you want to be that way. Yes. Glory to God. You want to be renovated by God continually in your life. Just see that house being rebuilt, redone, renovated. That's you. And the Bible says that happens by renewing the way you think. This is Walter Hallam, and I want to thank you for listening today and just receiving that good Word of God that you've gotten off of this podcast. You know, bringing a podcast to you, it's free to you, but it costs to take the gospel of Jesus to the world. You can be a partner. You can help support. Uh, Men and women I found are so generous when the Word of God is coming into their life. They want to help take that gospel to someone else. You can text to give today to 832-981-1601. And you can give any support, any amount, and it will be a great blessing. And it will help take the gospel of Jesus uh, to someone else. We'll go the next day and the next day. So text to give today, 832-981-1601. And I want to thank you in advance because without you and with others who support, it would be so difficult for us to get the good news of Jesus Christ into this great generation. Do your part today. Thanks for helping. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the next podcast.